and welcome to the HBM episode. I am High King of the Noldor, and I want my jewels back. And I'm joined by Frank. Frank, how are you doing? Hello, Leon. I am a simple wanderer, um, a strider, if you will. But all is well, mostly. Uh, so do you want to talk about eugenics right away, or do we want to like, spruce it throughout the episode? <laughs> it's, uh, don't know. Don't know about inherited responsibility, Strider. I don't. I don't necessarily support that notion. Yeah, it, it, no matter how dramatic you look <laughs> in a corner, all by yourself. Yeah, and, and extremely inconspicuous, right? I, I'm definitely very, very subtle. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm on board with uh, challenging that notion a little bit. But that's uh, <laughs> a side tangent, maybe at some point. <laughs> And we're talking about, well, I guess, welcome to the first concept episode, sort of, kind of, of HBM. We are going to talk about adaptation. We're going to talk about how uh, conceptions of uh, fandoms and works and whatnot can interact with the whole, well, greater greater creation of these things. Um, how once again opinions matter uh, even the bad opinions can influence stuff and processes yeah. there I say a very dialectical episode <laughs> of HBM a, a a circle of ideas affecting material material affecting ideas and ideas affecting material maybe maybe something along those lines indeed that, that... but we're also going to talk about sorry no carry <laughs> on. on carry on and, and we're also going to talk about um a couple other things, some very material, I would say. Yeah. Uh, must might start off with that in a second, and we're gonna talk. Uh, so we're still gonna talk about a well, two video games, I suppose. Yeah. Technically speaking, which hence by the intro and <laughs> once again probably also the title. Um, Quite likely. <laughs> is uh, <laughs> is a technically not Lord of the Rings, but it's Middle Earth. Uh, double colon a shadow of. War slash Mordor, the other way around, I believe. Mordor first, then War. Yeah. So, so yeah, those two games, because those two games um, are not necessarily uninteresting, we could have done an episode and analyzed them. Uh, I think the approach that we're going to take this episode is going to be interesting because, once again, it's the first of its kind. So I don't know how it will go. But I think it, they, they're good... Um, subjects for uh, what we're going to try and set out to do this episode. Yeah. So we're going to focus less on the game itself and more, and use them more as a jumping off point into a larger discussion and more conceptualized discussion, I would say. Yeah. What would you say, Frank? Yeah, I think so. Like it, the games themselves, they bring interesting questions to the table in terms of adaptation and, uh, you know, that, that concept of lore or canonical um oh yeah lore lore that was the big one sorry i mean i've got more issues with canonical uh but (laughs) (laughs) um that's that's the iconoclast in me speaking Mm. uh regardless how how a century of you (laughs) that's a joke that only two people are going to get in the world oh christ (laughs) i I love i mean i am i'm the catholic saying they're an iconoclast so you know that's it's all, okay. yeah. all, mm-hmm. all amounts of fuckery. There. I should have said how Protestant of you. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> how orthodox, even. Anyway. But uh, yeah, no, lore is definitely an interesting one that I forgot to talk about real quick. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was going to start off with lore and like how lore has, um, well, once again, has grown out to be this different thing altogether. 
We talked a little bit about it on the last episode of HBM, the illustrious uh, Elden Ring one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, once, once again is turning out to be one of my favorite episodes, probably of, that we have done so far. Agreed. But how could it not be with the amazing Ford, with the amazing horror vanguard joining us? It's um, the, the, there's a reason I I love collabing with them so much. Um, yeah. It uh, it it always turns out great. What can I say? I can see why. We talk a bit about how lore functions in that regard, and essentially our conclusion was. It shouldn't be prescriptive. It should just be hermeneutic. Yeah. And you need to develop your own relationship with lore. And once again, I might touch upon it a little bit here, but since we already did there, I, I shifted uh, for me, <laughs> as, and it became clear to Frank as well. I'm so sorry, Frank, I should have had a discussion with you. <laughs> but by my notes that we share with each other, uh, it became clear that I wanted to push a little bit more towards more adaptational uh, perspective and, uh, well, once again, concepts. And so forth and so on. Oh and, yeah, you know, it, and it's such a big phenomenon in media as well. You know, the discussions about media has never been more popular. Bad discussions are very much in vogue. <laughs> I mean, it's something we've been talking about for a while, and I, I also think because I'm, I'm gonna probably have to bring it up in one aspect of another, um, which is Game of Thrones. Um, but adaptation oh, in general, man. like it's, it, it's really complex in a variety of different ways. And uh, these games serve as interesting examples um, of both interesting ideas and principles, interesting executions, and also terrible ideas and terrible executions in a variety of forms. (laughs) Huzzah! Yeah, no. Uh, so once again, they are they are a really interesting pick for that regard. We are probably going to do another concept album. Uh, concept album. Hey. Let's do a concept album. No, let's. Uh, we're probably going to do another concept episode on adaptation because there's so much to say about adaptation. Oh yeah. So we're not going to fit it all in this one episode. No. Especially because we want to talk about something else first. We do. do we. Um, do you want to take the lead? I do. Uh, we we've done this a handful of times, uh, but given. Given what is happening today at the day of recording, not to date the episode, but it feels fairly significant. There's a lot going on in the news lately, um, but I'm going to start off with the bad stuff and then we're going to get to the more interesting and very, very good stuff. Uh, the bad one is um, Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard. Boo. Yeah. Um, bottom line <laughs> Bottom line is Sorry. capitalism is monopolistic. So it tends to us monopolies, which is always terrible. So, yeah, unfortunately, um, states are being shit, as they tend to be as well, so, you know. Yeah, it's, um, I was kind of hopeful that some antitrust regulation would kick in. Um, but we all, we all know of Microsoft's, uh, I, I know a little bit about uh, the stuff that they do from, like, uh, from an investment perspective. Mm-hmm. I have seen them invest in, in a bunch of, uh, from school lunches to multi-billion dollar tech corporations. Huh. I've seen them invest in all kinds of stuff. And you only do that if you're, well, once again, that type of corporation. Yeah. Um, when <laughs> when your model is to become the economy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you, when, when you operate on that skill, Congress is only a buffer zone to you and what you want. Yeah. It's not an obstacle as it should be. It is just, uh, you know, you have to like, wrinkle your way into it and maybe there are some like middlemen that like get like a nice little gripe of that or well, well, anyway we don't have to get into that aspect necessarily but um yeah no it's microsoft like disney and like you know um <laughs> who have a shared who, who who share some owners by the way but that's not <laughs> there. 
Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same for Lockheed Martin. Uh, huh. Disney is also... Yeah, it's really funny that the guy, the, the people who like crank out funny little cartoons or like uh, animated uh, movies that are about believing yourself also develop bombs that kill brown children. But... Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Light starts. I'm not, I'm not wrong, though. You're I'm not, not. wrong. Um, so, so, and also own part of Microsoft. Anyway, my point being is that... Um, yeah, yeah, it was really depress- depressing. Um, I didn't think they would get like the first obstacle at first, but um, yeah, they have overcome the second hurdle, and uh, the deal can go through. Yeah, it it as a case that I've been following for quite some time, and I won't bore people with like the uh, the legal aspect of it. <laughs> but for a while, it was like, yes, let's do the deal, and then then Activision was like, no, and they were like, what? <laughs> and th- <laughs> now we're here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, fuck uh, Bobby Gottesnam Cottage yeah uh, the guy from Activision Horrend- fuck Activision Blizzard in general oh yeah definitely well just google um, google uh, Blizzard sexual harassment oh boy uh, there you go yeah just yeah only Blizzard onto itself let alone Activision hmm. and all its subsidiaries um, it's act- technically Activision Blizzard King I believe oh yeah you King mentioned that like to me a collection of, of mobile games as well who make a fucking mint? Yeah. By the way. <laughs> uh, let me know if anyone is interested in the economic analysis of game companies ever. I could do it. It's what I do for a living. That's a spinoff. So. <laughs> but, uh, but that's yeah. Well, if if a Patreon subscriber or something wants to, wants me to like give a take on that, I can. I guess shrug. But uh, yeah. Anyway, that, it's not it's not important for now. <laughs> so yeah, that deal went through. Um, as a Games Pass owner, I'm like shrug. I didn't want it to go through. Yeah, um, but as you and I are both um, uh, students of a certain type of of political <laughs> uh, ideology, it, it... we knew that it was coming. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we know that this is the end product, end stage of capitalism. Um, it's you know like a little bit of devouring itself and like becoming so bloated and so forth and so on. We it has been said since the eighteenth, the nineteenth century, and uh, well before that, never mind. <laughs> Not important. Um, it's, it's, um, they've been saying that since the French Revolution, I believe, we give up out, but, um, <laughs> not, a, once again, not, not, not a history episode, <laughs> but yeah. So how do, how, how do you feel about that then? Catholicism doing this weird shit. I, I, you know, I'm so dead to it, sadly, which is not, I'm saying that you should be like that, but I, I, I feel so little. Well, uh, I'm going to take the opportunity to transition, but the, yeah, my point is like, it's not an expected but it's still terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, on other news about helplessness, yeah. um, something pretty damn historical is happening. And I think at this point it's pretty official. Um, the, uh, the screen. Writer's strike. Yeah. So for about 70 days, uh, the writers go to America, the screenwriters uh, and writers of pretty much all, most television, movies, whatnot. And Imagine Dragons. Sorry. <laughs> um, Remember that? Okay. Have been on strike for a while because, you know, terrible business models that fuck them over. It's, it's basically how it goes. Um, and as yeah. of today, um, the strike has uh, increased in size quite massively because effectively the Actors Guild, the SAG, after the Screenwriters of America Guild, it's 
it's a whole acronym. Uh, America has weird acronyms. Um, but effectively, what is the... So many. So, so many. many. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what turns out to be like the the actors' union has effectively joined the strike uh, because they That's were uh, extremely dissatisfied in conversations with like the the producers' organization, which is uh, association, which is like the... <laughs> Um, we who rule this world want you to subject to these conditions. And there was like, no, no way. Uh, so we're going to join them. So fuck you all. And it's pretty much what's going on. And that hasn't happened in 63 years, a double strike of this yeah. size, which seems, and it, it'll likely put Hollywood to a halt, uh, which I find delightful. And the idea amuses me to no end. Um, it is also notable yeah. that the... What it was it the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger? Is that his name? Uh, Bob Iger is no longer the CEO of Disney for a while now. No, he's the CEO of what? Oh, okay. So he quit in 2020. Okay. Uh, February 2020, he's he's he stopped, and has been has come back as CEO in November 2022. Oh, so I I didn't know about the second one, but I was right. He stopped <laughs> for like. Well, like like uh, two years or something, a little bit, two years and a half, a little bit more. Uh, he said something particularly interesting in regards to uh, the writers' demands, even I, before this happened. So I heard a quote from someone um, uh, from a studio executive. I forgot which one. I might put it in the description. I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, about um, that they were essentially going to try to outlast the writers to October because that's when their rent will be overdue. And then they can, like, force them back to the table. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, you saw that. That's I the one I'm thinking reported, I will say, I saw it reported by a man named Adam Conover. He does, did a Netflix show and has been on a YouTube channel called College Humor, now called Dropout TV, uh, I believe. Not quite sure, actually. I don't watch it <laughs> regularly. It's it's a, well, it's an, a, like a YouTube channel with, like, 15 million subscribers, pretty large uh and has now it has its own fan base, its own site, and so forth and so on. That being said, uh, like he is associated with that and does a couple of other things on his own. He reported, and he's been actively reporting. Uh, I've been following his reporting on the writer strike because he's been involved with that. Uh, another person that's on Twitch a lot and talks about leftist stuff, uh, Hasanabi, um, mm-hmm. is is joined in on that as well and tried to shut down the Marvel shoot together. <laughs> uh, I believe I don't know how that went because once again, uh, I'm I'm bad at following up on stuff. If I don't have a reason to do so, and I didn't know we were going to do an episode on this, so I'm sorry for that. No, you're fine. I'm I'm sorry to snap this on you. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. Um, we we uh, once again, I talked about strikes before, and I should have done more due diligence. But at the same time, I feel like if people are interested, they can find information about it anywhere. So uh, I'm going to forgive myself for that one. But I've been following his uh, reporting on it. R- reporting is maybe too large a word. I've been following his TikToks on it, and uh, <laughs> and his Twitter posts, and uh, yeah, no, it's um, uh, yeah, I know. I hope it's going well. I hope they will once again get what they need slash want. Um, people forget sometimes that in this situation, it's about what they need. Yeah. Um, writer teams can be quite large, and so when you think, oh, they are a writer for a TV show, they are not all like I don't know. Um, well, I'm I'm trying to think of names, big big writer names within uh, uh, within this industry, but those writing teams can be quite large, and the head writer is the one that often gets credited direct. Yeah, and the other ones are like muffled into like the uh, post credit scene. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, no. So uh, it doesn't. It's not as luxury job as you think it is. That's what I'm trying to get at. If you don't um, know <laughs> personally, I know a couple people in that industry. I have family in that industry. They are fine, sadly, and once again, I don't necessarily always agree with their politics. So I'm not going to get into it. But um, yeah, no, I, I know a little bit about it. And I'm just saying this strike is about what those people need to live in l cities like fucking Los Angeles or New York City or what have you, you know? Like, it's it's expensive. It's, it's really expensive living there. So it's not about, oh, we want a raise. No, they need a raise to compensate for this horrendous inflation. Uh, horrendous, and like, once again, not just the inflation, but like then landlords saying, oh, well, inflation, so I'm going to hike up the rent with like $500. Go fuck yourself. Um, and then now the inflation is going down. It's like, oh, I'm still going to give it $500, though. So go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> once again, uh, don't like landlords? <laughs> no, definitely but, not. Uh, yeah, anyway. So it's important to keep in mind that it's about what they need, not about what they want. Oh, yeah. Even if it's about what they want, I still think it's justified. Oh, exactly. But that's, I don't know. But to meet the idiots, liberal, conservative people uh, halfway here, <laughs> it's, it's literally about needs, not about wants here. So, yeah. Just, just important distinction. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, all, all support to to the writers and uh, actors on on strike, um, together. Yes. So yeah, here's here's hoping. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, uh, uh, do we do we have anything else? <laughs> oh right. Um, it's uh, this is a little bit old news, but this will get into what literally what we're going to talk about. Yeah. The <laughs> uh, this is a little bit old news, like it happened a month ago, a month and a half maybe, but. Uh, apparently Embracer Group died. Now, Embracer Group, you will be totally forgiven to not know what, what this is. Mm -hmm. But it was essentially a a, a a company that owns companies. And we see this, we see this, uh, it's a very modern phenomenon within economics. It's like, once again, a bunch of, bunch of investment capital getting together and acquiring studios. Yeah. So they don't produce themselves, well, Technically, they produce it because they give the money to it, but they don't make anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, that company like uh, fell through. Um, well, the companies don't fall through, but the deal that the company was relying on fell through. A what is has been described in media as a mysterious two billion dollar deal. Mm. I don't understand how, <laughs> even with my understanding of economics, I don't understand how mystery $2 billion show up. <laughs> $2 billion just doesn't show up mysteriously. <laughs> I wish it did, quite frankly. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but sadly, it, it, tends, it tends not to do that. So what my humble theory is that it was probably trying to get a deal with Tencent, a Chinese-owned company, mm -hmm. um, which is, I don't care if you take money from China, I don't care if you take money from the United States. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that, actually. Fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, for another episode, maybe. Sure. Who knows? But it's... Um, I don't care which which uh, giant uh, superpower you get your money from, let's just say that. Mm -hmm. It's... Um, yeah, so uh, once again, uh, they, but it, it has become unpopular now to say uh, with the recent... Well, not that recent, but with this spike mm -hmm. in uh, anti-Asian hate... Um, mm -hmm. that we have been seeing yeah. uh, it's become a lot less popular and with like uh, people thinking that China and Russia allies they are not no by the way uh, <laughs> from a political science perspective they don't have uh, they have some agreements but, but guess what so, so do the United States and China it doesn't make them allies <laughs> so shrug um, 
once again, they are they, Russia and China do have a, have a cordial relationship, but they don't have an official alliance, yeah. as far as I'm aware. Uh, should brush up on that actually, but hmm. never mind all that. It's um, it's it's once again, uh, they <laughs> Russia doesn't necessarily like China a whole lot. They spy on each other actively. A while ago, uh, China, I believe there was reporting. I don't know if it actually happened, but the China report was reported on stealing Russian technology or something. <laughs> uh, shrug, or the other way around. I don't know. But um, so once again, cordial, but they are not best buddies. And so if you like, if you associate with China, it means you're associated with Russia, and that's bad. Whether or not that's that's <laughs> you agree with that analysis, I'm not going to get into. That's for you to decide as an individual, uh, dear listener. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So then people then don't like to say like they take money from China because it's oh the people keep saying like oh Epic Store also owned by Tencent. Um Epic Games is owned by Tencent for mm-hmm. at least uh, for at least a large part mm. which uh Epic Games are own Fortnite is like one of their big ones. Yeah. Um and Tencent also has a stake in League of Legends. So they're a big video game presence. Uh those are just those two games will give you a very big video game presence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those two games are large. Uh, but that's beside the point. It's, um, yeah, so that's my theory. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that group, the Embracer group fell through from a mysterious $2 billion deal. Um, it's, uh, that didn't go through. And they own a couple studios. Square Enix Montreal, um, uh, Deep Silver, THQ Nordic, and they had the right to the Lord of the Rings IP. Now, that meant they were just allowed to do Lord of the Rings um, games. I don't know if those Lord of the Rings IP means uh, Warner Brothers movie or Tolkien games. Mm, like, yeah. uh, do you base on the books? Do you base on the uh, movies? Movies are based on the books, so technically, yes, some delineation, I guess. Uh <laughs> Does that just mean third age? Uh, sorry, if you don't know what that means, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Um, is that, does that just mean third age? Does that mean second and third age? Does it mean uh, f- can you go anywhere in, t- in, in, in the Jackson timeline? Let's just call that the Jackson world. Mm-hmm. The Lord of the Rings Jackson world from Peter Jackson's movies. What does that mean? Doesn't matter. It's a very lucrative IP, no matter if it's the books or the movies. Uh, people like both. Yeah. I I have never heard anyone who likes the books and said, "Well, the movies are shit." Uh, well, not those movies, at least. Ooh. But, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think the Hobbit movies are okay. They it's a children's book. It's supposed to be stupid. There are a couple of terrible lines in there, though. That will not excuse, but I do think they are overhated movies. <laughs> That's my most cancelable opinion this episode. There you go. Uh, but yeah, so that that fell through and. I'm sorry for all the workers that are probably going to be like, you know, they had 17,000 employees and they're looking to lay off and cancel, just shut down studios. It had 20 plus studios under its wing. So that's a lot of like lost jobs. And yeah, yeah, uh, I know I'm I'm a bit late to reporting on this, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I hope those people find work or are okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's so sad. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, Lord of Rings, huh? Yeah. Talking about adaptations and the Hobbits and the Jackson movies, how uh, how do we feel about all that adaptation? Ooh. Such a such a big word. <laughs> I mean, I think there's um, there's something about this, and it's like what I'm gonna use as my uh, entry point into both the t- 
text or games that we're talking about um, and uh, the point itself, which is you have like a source material or like a, even when that's not necessarily the case, uh, you're using like this baseline world, like this, this framework, this is somewhat established universe. And you have text. Yeah. <laughs> you have the, the, this presence, but of course, as it, even in this Tolkien sense of, of trying to literally create a world, there are plenty of gaps there. And, of course, one can adapt. It's like, okay, how do I transform this story or this universe or these stories or these elements into another medium? How do you do that transition? Do you, do you make it a show? Do you make it a movie? Do you make it a series of movies? And you can also turn it into a video game. And that's one thing. That's one thing to adapt more directly. And that is bringing up certain particular questions. Uh, because, okay, if you're going to adapt this particular story, if you are going to change things, they need to at least be, you know, uh, coherent uh, and in and of themselves with what you're doing. They, if you're establishing, okay, A, B, C, D, E lead to F, um, you can't just suddenly, oh, no, but but I wanted to lead to H, but H wasn't, you know, connected. Um, my point is, you can change things when adapting more directly, but they need to be purposeful, they need to be careful, and they need to be aware of what you're creating in this other medium, uh, so it, you know, works coherently. The, the, they, they can't just be abstract. Here's, because then it's, it turns out to be not a very good story, even regardless of the adaptation itself. Anyway, so that's one point. The one we're talking about is somewhat more complex, because then we're not talking just about adapting a story or a book. We're talking about adapting the capital L lore or the canon, because then you may have a framework. You have like this established reality. Okay, it's this, this and this. But how things are happening on like a ground level or like in this particular period, in this particular time with these particular characters or with the characters that could or should have been there or would have been there. Um, that's something else. And I think that's exactly what Shadow of Mordor and War are doing. They are taking a particular place, Mordor, which is the... the oh, God, this, this sounds terrible. But then again, it's, it's in the Tolkien, the evil region. And just like, okay, what about telling a story there? And, you know, you, you get these, like, a, a character that would be connected to, with a role that would be connected to this place, and you develop a story in there. And and that gives you a great deal of or freedom, really, to adapt, to invent, to create stuff that's like, um, this isn't in the text. So how would this work? How would this other thing work? Does this make sense? Would that do? And, and so on. And that uh, has a lot of potential. It's interesting, this HB, uh, uh, the alphabet thing that you said. <laughs> it's um, <clears throat> because, once again, a story is always very finite. So yeah. alphabet is a good analogy for that, I would say. Because you can you can be a long story, you can go from A to Z, or it can just be A, B, C, D, E, F, G, or something. And But these, <laughs> the way that you use them then, um, these letters do not have to be themselves. Good, I would say what we can place in these places for, of these letters can vary 
can have in theory endless variation. Yes. So you should maybe see it as A1, A2, A. What kind of A is it? Is it A12? Is it A13? Is it whatever? <laughs> and some of those numbers will not link up with the numbers that come next. No. If we have to prolong the uh, metaphor unnecessarily long. <laughs> it's um. So once again, you should, I, I guess you could see it as a choice three uh, diagram or something. It's, it's once again, uh, and so this configuration is really important that it at least rhymes with each other, what you're going to put in there. And to like, once again, uh, if it's okay with you to finally start talking about the, the thing that we were going to talk about. Oh yeah. Um, there were some interesting choices made in the video game called Shadow of Mordor, and especially in Shadow of War. Yes. I would argue that the end of Shadow of War already... Uh, sh- sorry. That the end of Shadow of Mordor already had problems. Um, yeah. Capital P problems. <laughs> yes. Um, interacting with the lore. We, do you know that one? the One Ring? Mm. <laughs> the One Ring, Frank? Do you know it? I do know the One Ring. Known as the One Ring? The One Ring. The One Ring, yeah. Yeah, go fuck yourself. There are two now. <laughs> One or two ring. Does that same ring to it? Get it? Okay. Leon's not exaggerating, by the way. That is exactly what happens in the end in the DLC. So, once again, um, Calabrim. Okay. Sorry. Starting on the start of the beginning. <laughs> you play as a what's his name? Talion. 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 Sorry. Um, I, oh, I love the voice actor for Calabrimborn in this game. Talion. Talion. Need to. <laughs> We need to force the ring, Talion. Um, it's <laughs> he's he's great. He's it terrible. would be so great. It's like, yeah, I, I feel okay. Um, I feel that the game, in its bonkers lore, that didn't go far enough. Agreed. Um, if you're gonna go off the cliff edge, fucking plummet is my argument. If shoot from the moon, and if you only come halfway, I can forgive you. But don't stop yourself halfway through. That's terrible. I will explain why a little bit later. But you're, you play as Talion, a Gondorian ranger, I believe. Yes. I think it was Gondor. Once again, know a lot about... Um, uh, well, hmm. I've read the books, um, not the History of Middle-Earth books, because that's the driest shit yeah. uh, that you can find. Uh, it's, it's literally just historical records. Um, not entirely, but close enough. And Which is fine. Um, I'll buy them one day. They're very expensive. So uh, I've, I've read all the books that are books. Uh, I've read all the books that are finished by Christopher Tolkien. Um, those were not easy reads because they're not books. They are just restored documents. Oh, that's complex. <laughs> and so you have the Cimmerillion. And Cimmerillion essentially entails all the follow-up books finished by Christopher Tolkien. Mm. So the, uh, the Ballad of Luthien is of Baron Luthien, sorry. Is uh, is already in the Cimmerillion described. Uh, the Fall of Gondolin, another book finished by Christopher Tolkien, is already in the Cimmerillion. Only it's more elaborative. It's it goes into detail. Okay. And it's essentially the story is interrupted and constantly by Christopher Tolkien talking about notes of his father because Christopher Tolkien doesn't write that much himself. Mm. He just very diligently put together the notes of his father. Fair enough. Which I'm sure wasn't easy. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, people. People call him in the community. Uh, he died like three years ago. Oh. Uh, Christopher Tolkien um, was very lovingly called the steward of Middle Earth, as in he like you know put uh, the, the, he he kept the story together uh, when his father died, um, and he didn't write himself. So that does like you know they lovingly call him the steward of Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, technically it's more than just Middle Earth, but uh, that's fine. Um, <laughs> it's the lands between um, two. But... Uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 fair enough. And so, um, so I know a lot about it. Um, I have difficulty placing this game because of its bonkers lore. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just it's bonkers. Once again, I, yeah, I, and we're going to have a little bit of fun with that as, as all self-respecting lore, uh, uh, intermediary, let's just say intermediary yes. level to be, to be humble. Uh, I might make some mistakes, but I like to think I know it significantly better than your average Lord Rings fan. Uh, uh, oh, um, let me, let me interject here. You're the expert here. Yeah. I am the novice. Okay, between you and me. Yes. <laughs> between us, I'm the best we got. So, yeah, that, that's, that's a better. That's better than that. <laughs> no, but, okay. So, you, you're you're a Gondorian ranger. I might get some names wrong or some place wrong, but whatever. You're a Gondorian ranger who's on the uh, Black Wall that we see in Jackson films. Uh, back then, Sarwan didn't come back to that tower. Uh, in the books, there's no giant eye in that tower. Just a really big tower. Um, I like the eye. The eye's good. It looks cool. Yeah, it's good. Uh, the, the game thinks as well. So the game takes that uh, element from the movies and puts it in there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why it's called Middle Earth. I don't know who, who they got the rights from to do this, which would have been an interesting... Oh, no, it's, it's made by Warner Brothers game. Yeah, it's Monolith. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's Monolith. They're owned by Warner Brothers Studios. Uh, so they got the rights to the movies. So it's, it's based off of the movies, clearly. Visually, you can somewhat see this. Well, it does the honor tradition of killing your wife right away because the woman dies. That's what women do in media. They die for men to get plot development, um, to get character development. Women doesn't need to die because I'm not a good writer. Um, but, but a child as well. Uh, he had a child? A uh, child on the Who way, maybe? Right. She was pregnant. Possibly. Right? I don't remember. It's been a while. He had a son. Though, he had a son. Fuck, I, it, doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. They die in like the first <laughs> five seconds. So he dies. Angel tradition. Um, he dies Angel by the, tradition. He dies by uh, what I think is a black Numenorium. Uh, they're called black Numenoreans because they're evil. Not because of skin color. That's weird. That's a weird thing Tolkien does. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Do with that what you will. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he gets killed by a black Numenorium. And uh, what I think is a black Numenorium. I'm quite sure. But they're servants of Sauron. And they're like, discount Nazgul, if you will. <laughs> Black Numenoreans have a certain place in that army. Um, it is theorized that the guy at the Black Gate in the movies, in the third movies, with the weird teeth, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a Black Numenorean, but not Nazgul, right? So yeah. it's, 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 a selection, it's something else. A section of servants of Sauron. And they kill him, and they're like, they want to summon the spirit of the great ringmaker, Calabrimbor, grandson of Feanor, the guy who made the Simrils. And he... Uh, <laughs> Uh, he is like, no, I'm not going to enter your body. I'm going to enter the body of this dying ranger. And so we can get revenge on Sauron. Revenge. Because he doesn't like Sauron because uh, Calabimbor, who was kind of a guy that I really like from the Second Age. I find the Second Age fascinating because there's not a lot written about it. But a lot happens in it. Um, mm-hmm. The Second Age is where uh, Sauron wages war on Middle-earth with the power of the ring. Mm. Uh, sometimes with the power, later stages with the power of the ring. And it's ended, the Second Age ends, with the beginning of Lord of the Rings movies. Right. With the uh, besieging of Baradur, mm. the castle of Sauron, uh, which in the books is even more metal than in the movies. <laughs> but, uh, we'll, we might, might get to that. The last king of the Noldor, Gil-galad, uh, <laughs> charges at Sauron and kills him with Isildur, 
uh, not Isildur, sorry, Elendil, the father of uh, Isildur. And uh, <laughs> he, Sauron grabs Gilgalad and, like, holds him by the throat and, like, burns his head off. Ooh. And <laughs> I was like, that's pretty metal for Tolkien, who is... Who, who we all know is usually quite mellow with these things. Yeah. But it's, it's one of the more horrifying scenes in in uh, Middle-earth, uh, or in this, in, in, in Lord of the Rings, quote-unquote. But uh, yeah, so that's where the Second Age ends. And Celebrimbor was like, had the most prosperous kingdom, I would argue, in the Second Age called Eriador. This was in front of Moria. Mm. Uh, they, and he was one of the few elves that equally worked with dwarves. And... Oh. Uh, had his had his fellowship called the Gwen Imirdaith, which were just in, amazing craftsmen. Mm-hmm. Nice, the essentially one of the best, yeah, uh, the best craftsmen of that age and probably of anywhere outside the second, uh, the the first age, mm-hmm. maybe even. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, he's the grandson of this great smith, the guy who made the Simrillians, and so Sauron wants him. Sauron wants his spirit. Uh, we don't know why. I think it doesn't matter. Yes, yeah, never made clear. Uh, but he got. <laughs> but he, he slits uh, the throat of the, uh, those people specifically. I don't know why he picks Talion and his family for the blood sacrifice ritual. The guy who uh, does that is forced by Nolan North, by the way. Uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> of course it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, he's really proud of getting the black speech right, which once again, I'm so sorry, but it's what the evil speech of Mordor is called. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so we, 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 are, we, we come back from the brink of death, but we are pretty much dead. But we are kept alive, so we are we are a non-Sauron affiliated not school, essentially. Pretty much. But we look good. We don't need the we need we don't need the uh, uh, hood the hoodie. We we can just look we can just look normal-ish. Yeah. And walk around. And uh, once again, maybe a more mechanical discussion of the game. We could talk about the um, nemesis system, but I don't think it's that interesting. I think it's a very overhyped thing. I like it a lot, but okay. it's not our focus here. Um, yeah, right. It, it's effectively... You might mention it in our episode. I, I'm, I'm just going to mention it very quickly. It's sort of an adaptive yeah. um, mini-boss system, where it's like, oh, you do X, Y, Z things, and the these mini-bosses, these various like orc commanders and captains sort of react and adapt to that. It's like, okay... If you use these kind of weapons now, then they can adapt to that and become strong against it. Or if you act in a certain behavior, then they will behave accordingly and so on. So it's this adaptive mini-boss management kind of system thingy. Uh, it's very it's very fun to play with from a game perspective. From an ethical perspective, it's a fucking nightmare. But we don't need to get into that now. Yeah, no. definitely, It, it has the potentiality to have such great... To create stories in an interesting way, yes. but it doesn't, I think. Because, and this is where I kind of want to get into, um, you you then have superpowers because you're a wraith, and you fight hordes of orcs. And what an interesting orc we have here. We have never had a singular adaptation of orcs. I, I would argue that, once again, orcs function a certain way in the books. Mm-hmm. Side note, um... For those who remember the Pentiment episode, there was a certain person on there called Holly, and Frank, Holly, and I have been making our way to the Gollum game, <laughs> in a sh- in a shot of Roida type way. Yes, we have. And, uh, and there's fun there's fun discussions uh, during that those those times 
about how orcs procreate, which the game Gollum does take a take on. Um, there are there are discussions about that, and um, it's also very unfortunate because in the books we clearly see culture. Uh, it's not a very large part of cult, uh, a large culture, or like very, sorry, a very well developed culture. But they have they have like little jokes, they have like little insults and stuff, and which is indicative of culture, yeah. right? We we see that the orcs have culture, um, and then to make them an unwashed horde that just like you know like batters against the gates of true bastion of civilizations is 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 uh, not great. No, um, it's a trope. It's a trope for a reason, and it's a trope for a reason that's frowned upon. Yeah, um, just make them Nazis. Just make them Nazis. Uh, just make them robots or Nazis. Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. And I get to kill Nazis. That's my two favorite things. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. So that that's a problem. And we had then, because of that, maybe, and Tolkien has expressed some regret and insecurities about his handling of orcs mm-hmm. towards the later stages of his life, I believe. Uh, a bit late there, Joseph. Not, not Joseph. What's his name? John? I, I don't remember. Uh, Song with a J, J R R Tolkien. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what is, what is first. <laughs> Never mind. Doesn't matter. Uh, what a what a fan am I? Am I right? Anyway, so, <laughs> so so might I ask of you then? What is, how would you deal with that? And this is a really difficult question, and I don't expect a perfect answer, but I don't know. How do we feel? How what would we do? What is uh. If we, how how would we, yeah? If, if we had, if if they reached out to us, say, okay, make make a Lord of the Rings and tradition, or Middle Earth, or uh, Tolkien edition, what what would we do? What uh, about the orcs or in general? What we do about the orcs? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um. I mean, I think I would I would have to take um. I would try and avoid making the orcs like the the main focus or the main enemies um at, at best i i would make them if they they would appear very much as like a faction not the enemy um and i i know i i think it would, it would have to go closer to some to what you've mentioned you know it's like this representation of culture or something and more like being in conflicts than rather being you know inherently evil um which uh is a big problem uh, given Definitely. what what we see and what little we we know about them, um, but I fuck me, <laughs> uh, I yeah I I I I don't know I I think I would for for a very pragmatic perspective I try to draw attention away from the orcs, um, with and not necessarily into <laughs> the goblins that's not a, a solution by the <laughs> way. Um, I can see you. Yeah, you just from... you paying attention, um, Leon. From Tolkien to Rowling. <laughs> hey, um, there, there are goblins in the, the, the in Middle Earth, um, but but yeah, uh, it, it's not a solution either. I, I it's like it'd have to be somewhat more coherent a force or an enemy force. I, I don't know. It's like um, the Nazgul are better enemies, so to speak. Um, yeah, because you know they they they're purposeful, they're intent, and okay, they may be in the weird kind of corruption mind control thing. Well, that's not the vilification of an entire culture and species. So that's much better. <laughs> so I I do something like yeah. that. I also love the Nazgul as enemies. It's just like, um, cool goth. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> no, they are though. Yeah, no, definitely. Especially the witch king with his like little crown. Mm-hmm. So simple. In uh, in the books, it's made of fire, I believe. Oh I'm wow! Sure. But um, yeah, metal even more. Once again, more metal Tolkien. Um, I, I can imagine uh... from a, a special effects point of view, it's a lot more difficult to do a flaming crown for as long oh, as the Witch King appears. I love, I love the Witch King's uh, armor in the movies, though. Don't get oh, me wrong. Yeah. But it's uh, yeah, this, we have a problem, uh, a couple of problems popping up all over the place with this very insensitive trope that has like a bunch of unfortunates. How do we say um, implications? Yeah, and and, and racist, racists love it. Um, <laughs> we for. A little peek behind the curtains here, but we, for a while, were considering to do an episode on Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. And eventually, I was like, nah, let's not. Uh, we both didn't feel comfortable talking about um, how much racist loves the whole unwashed horse of Mongolian invaders. And that just fits into a type of su- supremacist idealism that I, I, I don't necessarily, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, fancy engaging with yeah um, too many uh, th- there's a bunch of other people who do it way more comp- competently so there's no need for us to do it I feel <laughs> but yeah so this 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 whole orc business uh, is quite unfortunate it is funny that then based on your description I would say the game chose to uh, take half your points yeah um, too hard because we, we don't we have orcs depicted as not, not wholeheartedly evil yeah a um Italian is aided by a specific orc called Ratback. Rats, rats, rat face. Ratbag. Ratback. Rat, rat, ratback. Okay, well, Ratback. Uh, sure, Rat guy. Um, that guy. He, uh, he, he is. I don't know. He's not good, but he's not like ontologically evil. Yes. And this is like once again the problem. If you have a, a being like Sauron or his master Morgoth or whatever, who isn't who is supposed to be an ontologically evil person, being whatever it's then difficult to give him henchmen that aren't or who are or ontologically evil yeah i'm not saying it's impossible you can totally do it but it's going to require time and care to build up a narrative not something that there's room for in lord of the rings <laughs> they, so yeah i don't know yeah uh, like there is yeah. i think what is most interesting and, and that shows up in the box and very sparsely through the film but not very clearly which is like this internal conflict that's like they are they are beings with self-interest and they may be aligned with Sauron mostly but they're again it was what you said they're not in the game as well they're not as clearly ontologically evil like they have their own interests it's like yeah no we're we're throwing our weight behind Sauron because you know he's he's pretty pretty damn powerful and it seems like a safe bet um and they're not necessarily good yeah. people. Um, and I think that's that's the thing. Like, okay, they may not be ontologically evil, but they even then it's like, oh, they, they don't they don't seem to have uh in a sort of ambiguity there that's like, okay, but they can be good. No, that that's that's still a door that's closed to them. Um Ratbag. It, it is Ratbag, I checked. Um Okay, he, thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Uh, he helps you because it's convenient for him. So it's still yeah. not... We, we don't get that. And the same happens in Shadow of War, but worse. So it's pretty complicated. Um, it's difficult to do. And, and I think I like how Shadow of Mordor does it halfway. Like, it it tries a bit more, but it's... um. 
Yeah. For the confines of a video game to do that, it'd be a different video game, frankly. <laughs> no, yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, they are, you should imagine them as like, uh, if you're familiar with Warhammer 40k, they are very similar to, I would say, the, the orcs in Warhammer. Not, not, in a, not, not the fun stuff. Unfortunately. From, uh, the, yeah, sadly. Because that doesn't really fit into the Lord of Rings universe. Well, they have Cockney accents. Um, uh, they're bigger, I, I, I would I'm, say, than the Orkin one. Uh, I'm going to interrupt you briefly there. Um, for people saying, it's like, oh, you know, but uh, Warhammer is so serious, so serious. Uh, uh, Middle Earth and Tolkien is a lot more serious, actually. It's a lot less silly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> for better and worse. Yeah, no, it's the point that we talked about uh on uh, the Elden Ring episode yeah. as well. It's like, oh, it's so grimdark. It's so sad. It's so depressing. It's so it's so somber. And it's not allowed to be anything else. And it's like, no, no, not really. Um, it's, it is also extremely silly at times and fun and like joking and whatnot. And that is very uh, indicative of like a bunch of um, Japanese properties, actually. Mm-hmm. Like they don't yeah. go wholehearted grimdark. There's always room for humor. Yes, in, in a lot of in the worst possible be- shit. In like, yeah, in like Berserk, for instance, yeah. is funny sometimes too. It is, and that that's that's dark. <laughs> that's, oh, that's I mean, it's like, fully that's, capitalized that's somber. Like the whole world is capitalized yeah. there. It's like damn. And yeah, so I would argue that that the same would go for, for Warhammer. There is just room for funny shit. Um, well, but in talking, not as much. Talking is a lot more serious, and yeah. that leaves less room to maneuver. I think that is. There are point. jokes, I would say. Yeah, there are. There are with witty, there are witticisms in true British fashion. <laughs> I would argue it is. It is also. It's very um, not necessarily in a bad way, but it is very monotonous. Yeah, in the sense that the tone never varies much. Yeah. From beginning to end. And yeah, the situation gets dire, but there there doesn't there is just very little wiggle room, I would say, in Tolkienian in the Tolkienian world. Yes. Because Tolkien knew exactly what he wanted. Yeah. And that's good. That's fine. That's not a bad thing unto itself. It is just <laughs> it's once again, it is then more difficult than people would give it credit for because people think, Oh, a Tolkien world is simple, whatever, blah blah blah. Like, ooh, hmm. No, to to actually maneuver within the boundaries that are like drawn out by Tolkien is quite difficult, I would argue. But I think that is what makes adaptation so difficult for it, because you're either going to have to confront and make something wholly different, or you're going to or you're going to try and adapt it as directly uh, with uh, certain cuts and, and changes, because uh, the change in medium is always. Or you're going to have to create something new and find room, find gaps that allow you to go buck wild. And I think that Shadow of Mordor found such a gap. Definitely. Um, I Then there is, once again, there is the uh, analysis of text element of adaptation. Mm-hmm. But this clashes with something that is, that, that is uh, I would argue, reaching critical philosophy as we speak. <laughs> Which is fan perception. Yes. Now, I'm going to try and keep this short. <laughs> no promises. But this is this. I would say this is this is important. Yeah. Um, agreed. It's it's 
it's cultural. Okay, so fan perception is a segment of what I would like to call cultural perception. Mm-hmm. How is you have to work? You have like once again the uh, the people who have rigorously studied the work, the text, or whatever you want to call it, and then there's the broad uh, sense of the work. Now, I understand it sounds maybe a little bit classist. I'm so sorry, but I do believe that those who like spend time thinking, talking, and like learning. Uh, a certain thing are more qualified to speak on a thing than <laughs> people who don't. Um, and then there's like just, you know, the casual conversation about these works and how certain, um, how do I say this, perspectives can somehow find their way to be um, quite widespread. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a thing that's been happening to Tolkien quite a bit. I forgot the exact wording and I'm sorry for that, mm. but I. I've been encountering this phrase um, quite often as I've seen people argue about uh, Lord of the Rings and Tolkien and whatnot. Mm. And it goes something along the lines of uh, Lord of the Rings is a retelling of England's creational mythology, which is just wrong. Yeah. I, it's actually <laughs> incorrect. It's just, so, and I, I... Okay, so this is my obs- observation. This is anecdotal. The, I strongly suspect based on the way how this is brought up in conversations by a certain group of people that want to claim some kind of ownership over Lord of the Rings. Mm. Um, and mainly this is done by British people. And yeah. in a broader sense, it's done by aglophonic people. Tolkien, objectively, did two things. One, he has literally said that he resents this notion of direct analogy. Mm-hmm. He was quite... He was quite strongly worded about it, which, which I know, in some ways, Tolkien reminds me of Frank. They are quite, uh, quite reserved and quite polite about everything and well mannered. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, they will get mad about everything, and except for the Harari episode. But so when they are mad about something, it's it's quite noticeable. As please go listen to the left page Harari episode. Please do. Um, <laughs> and so so it was quite quite um, remarkable when. When I've seen Tolkien get mad of like uh, a certain notion, I talked about a bit about you in the last episode. Uh, when we talked about um, not Elden Ring, but the one before that, Dragon Age Origins, mm, yeah, about how Tolkien like even resented apartheid and stuff, and like didn't want his elves to be just one color, or like you know, I recognized that, that question was just weird and nonsensical, and it didn't really matter, and <laughs> and you know that's such a remarkable thing to say. But anyway, so. I, I would argue that that, that this this line about that is a um, a adaptation of England's creation or whatever. If anything, it should be Welsh. <laughs> it's more Welsh, <laughs> I suppose, like like Arthurian legends and Britonic and and stuff like that than yeah. than English. Yeah, uh, it's inspired by uh, an era where the Saxons barely made it to England. <laughs> I would say um, so. It wasn't called England back then. It wasn't even. Was was barely called Angland at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so putting that all aside, I think this is once again not a um, good faith analysis. It is a well, for lack of a better for lack of a better word, political attempt at creating some kind of ownership of uh, Lord of Rings, mm-hmm. and then this ownership can then e- very easily be utilized as an argumentative tool to uh, disenfranchise. Or not represent people of color. Yeah. Because once again, it's 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 all based off English. It's all based off Gaelic uh, uh, 
funny enough, the Gaelic people don't really care if there are black elves. <laughs> but, but, or, well, okay, that's not entirely true, but <laughs> seemingly less so than the British people yeah. who were who are French. Like <laughs> Once again, not entirely, of course, but uh, this, this notion that they claim the, the English culture came to pass by the Norman invasion. It was Anglo-Saxon before that, and uh, once again, uh, yeah. it's 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 a mixture of all kinds of things that don't have one singular origin. I think that's the more important takeaway to take from all of that. Uh, England, the gr- gross area we call England, has changed hands quite a lot. Oh yeah, and has had a bunch of influences. <laughs> so, <laughs> to say there's a thing as England's creational mythology, there isn't. No. Which one do we mean? <laughs> the Anglo-Saxon era, the Norman invasion, the uh, Saxon invasion. Which one do we mean? Uh, it's, it's once again. So to call it English and England, that's already fraught with uh, historical peril, I would Ooh, say. Oh, yeah. It's, it's bad. It's bad analysis. Sounds like a nationalist um, project there. Yeah. So this this and so this and so this feeds into this something that I have observed and want to share a little bit. But there's this larger perception then going on about that things need to be a certain way. And with the, uh, I don't know, people say with their whole chest as well, that, that the elves are just supposed to be white. And it's just not correct. It just isn't. Mm-mm. And even if it was, who gives a fuck? It, it's a guy who was born in the 1800s. Yeah. Like, I'm <laughs> sure, sorry, but we are allowed to, you're allowed to like change that. That's not important. So this, in, this introduction then um, of these more cockney orcs uh, sometimes hidden in loot crates <laughs> in in microtransactions. Um, that's in the second game. That's that's a whole thing oh, we can't get fuck. into, sadly. Oh no. <laughs> but yeah, but the orcs are then so weird because you can you can control them because you forge a ring, sort of kinda, or you kind of have those spirit uh, wave powers that allow you to control people. It doesn't even understand its own lore because he can do that before forging the second one ring. Then he loses the second one ring in the second game and can't do it anymore. But he did it all the time in the first game. Yeah. But he forges the second one ring at the end of the first game. So it, it doesn't even understand its own lore. Um, remember Shelob? She's a sexy woman now. That's fun. Um, <laughs> sorry. I don't really mind that one, actually. Um, Shelob's mother drank uh, like a magic tree once upon a time. So who's the same? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm really? sorry. Did what, you what, say drank a magic tree? Yeah. Like a tree. Yeah, the tree that that is older than the sun and moon. Of course it is. She drank the earth tree, if you will. Ah, now I get it. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so these these sources of light, whose uh, dew or is fruit or something, um, is what. It was used for the Cimmerillions, I think. No, the fruit of the uh, trees was used for the creation of uh, the moon and sun. So you have people who you can say, and like uh, you might know a person from the movies called Galadriel. There are people who are older than the moon and sun. <laughs> literally. Which is always a fun thing to say. Yeah, literally. Like, <laughs> uh, first there were two towers, wink. And <laughs> then there were two trees. And and like uh, those the um, the mother of Shelob Ungoliath um, drank the tree empty like juice out of the tree I believe and like tarnished the tree and the, then the world went dark and that's how Morgoth escaped to Middle Earth 
from Valinor. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one of those fun lore, lore tidbits. But um, yeah, so do you think the orcs work? Do you mean, do, do they perform labor do, or do they work in general? Sorry. Do, <laughs> do you think the adaptation chosen by these games, um, do those orcs work for you as a, as a, as a choice for adapting Lord of the Rings? I, they're halfway there, I think. I think they're... Do you like him, I suppose, is the question. In one, better than two. In mortar, better than war. Okay. Yeah, they talk less in Mordor. Hmm. They talk a lot in the second game. Huh. Is is the problem is that the second one is such a? I mean, it was a, a microtransaction hell when it launched. the The game itself has a lot of plot inconsistencies, but like, I mean, if you could swap the dialogue around, the the one would probably be nicer. Then I guess take the dialogue from two, put it in one. <laughs> Okay, so we, we, we like the talking. We like we, talking. We like talk talking good. Okay. I... Once again, the talking then is a problem for me to then go on and butcher them horrifically, I might add. Yeah. Um, you... <laughs> you can put up, pull on some very gruesome uh, executions and whatnot. But it's not the hero that. I mean, you're a genocidal um, monster. It, like, there's, there's no other way about it. <laughs> yeah, but you're genociding the geno- geno- genocidal monsters, I guess. Shrug. Maybe. Um, it's difficult because, once again, they want to end the world of men, which to imbue them with that ambition is, once again, feeding into a bunch of theories, or, well, not theories, I should, I should not call it theories, <laughs> but uh, crackpot thoughts pr- produced by white supremacists. Um, and essentially, we are then soft arguing for let's destroy the evil racist, a, a racist as well, and then the world will be better. Yeah. Which is kind of how the Lord of Rings ends, yeah. I suppose. Shrug. Um, I suppose there's a reading of it where you could say, well, Sauron needed to be destroyed, and Sauron puts the orcs in between him um, and the world of man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore, the orcs are a unfortunate victim. Shrug. Shrug. If that's if that's how you want to approach it, I guess there I wouldn't I would not necessarily say oh the world is better without the evil races. Reading is a the exclusive consensus slash dominant one, but it is sadly a very present one. I would yeah, say. agreed. Um, yeah, I know that China Mieville has like said has done some uh, talks on this. Um, I could I would recommend still listening to them even though. Uh, I do think he he comes on a bit strong, and he uh, has, has admitted as much in like later interviews, I believe. Mm. But I I still think that the spirit that Jeremy Avel puts forth is a valid one. And once again, uh, a critique of Tolkien's work that's worth having, and yeah. at least something that's worth thinking about. Let's just say yeah, such. Let's put it like uh, that. Yeah, this 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 um this this adaptation is then an odd one and. For me, too bad, because I don't think there are a lot of faithful adaptations of Tolkien since the uh, Peter Jackson yes. trilogy. Um, once again, uh, I already talked about The Hobbit. Not going to do that again. So um, I, I like the old Hobbit game. I'm not sure it's a good adaptation, necessarily. <laughs> I guess uh, among the faithful adaptations, we could call... Uh, we could, we could, we could, 
we could talk about the Lego games, I guess, <laughs> which are true in spirit, sure, if nothing else. Sure. Which is like one of those other things, true in spirit. What does that mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess that you at least stay true to the ideals that were fundamental to the original work, yes, right? I think that's the point we can does make. Does Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor do that? Now that you mention it, um, I think... Sorry to ask you. I, <laughs> we have to analyze No, no, that, this is a very so good sorry. question because I think it brings up what you mentioned earlier. It's like, okay, uh, Tolkien built this world in a particular way, in this sense, with the with this tone, and because of his intent and structuring and extensive structuring, it's difficult to stray away from it. And I think that these games go against that original tone. Yeah. Very clearly. Quite, yeah. The tone is then a very good word to use, I think, because it's very, it, it is a blatant tonal shift. Yes. Uh, Sauron has a romance, sort of, as Shelob. And Shelob, once again, can turn into a hot woman. Um, okay, sorry. She, um, she is essentially goth Galadriel. Yes, literally. That's it. She, literally. And, um, she like once again is like not physically but sort of seduced by Sauron I believe as well and is then bitter about it shrug yeah yeah it's I, I, and then she exits the story and doesn't show up again yeah um which is still bad because once again the second game talks uh it takes place in this very interesting um point in time in the second fuck I don't know Okay. Anyway, the, the, this very interesting point in time where Minas Ethel falls, mm-hmm. which is uh, Kirith, uh becomes Kirith mm, Minas Morgul, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that's where Frodo um, encounters the army of the Witch King, mm-hmm. and he almost gets caught like an idiot. And Sam, the true hero of the story, the true hero, like, going some away. Yeah, that's Minas. That's Minas Ethel slash Minas Morgul. Um, the more you know. And uh, once again, it's like a story that I read about. I was like, oh, I would love to see that. And then we see Warhammer Orcs and, and Warhammer Men, let's be honest. We do. Uh, they, 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 okay, so what I mean with Warhammer is that they have certain proportions that are just <laughs> odd. And it works in a Warhammer universe. Um, it, it, it's a bit odd taken out of it. And then inserted into, not him, Tolkien's universe, which is so so very much its own thing yeah so once again ulterior experiences or ulterior like uh uh stories franchises whatever um series books whatever do not necessarily mix very well with the hyper specificity of lord rings exactly exactly which is what we said earlier yeah so i'm i'm not a fan of it i'm not a fan of the orcs i i once again I would have been A-okay with it if we had a lot of faithful adaptations. Mm. I would love, even though... Uh, ah, hmm. Uh, <laughs> hmm. Okay. Yeah, so we, we haven't had a lot of Tolkien... Oh, sorry, a lot of Lord of Rings slash Tolkien games since, I would say, the 2000s. Yet Lord of Rings Online, which is still a thing, I think. I, believe. I think so. I, yeah, um, uh, some pe- a lot of people like it. I believe a lot of like hardcore Lord of Rings fans like it. Shrug. Um, I never played it. I don't play MMOs. Uh, you hear that, Holly? No. Um, so <laughs> it's um, I I don't know if uh, this, these are the only like triple 
triple A games alongside with the not triple A, I guess, double uh, A Lego games that we have had. Yeah, we have. We don't. We don't have much more, right? Which is weird because it's such a. Um, I mean, I. I suppose you could. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna recommend One. it. Uh, you you you'll remember this as I speak. Uh, there was a video I say we saw. I I found some time ago. Oh yeah. Basically going on four hour long. It, no, it was like seven hours. Oh my! Really? Yeah, on like every single fucking Lord of the Ring games, okay. or almost all of them, yeah. up until probably Shadow of War, because uh, it was like from a couple a year ago or something like that. So it's a lot. I don't remember how far it went. To be honest, I, I didn't finish it. I might because it was fun. It was like, it was like a thing you put in the background. It's like okay, okay, interesting, interesting. Um, at least I say that person who wants to know absolutely everything about everything. Uh, anyway, point being, uh, historically, very difficult to make a A, successful, B, good Lord of the Rings game. It's a messy yeah. fucking tradition. It's been tried and mostly failed, unfortunately. There's just something about it. So, no, definitely. But the, once again, the things that we talk about, it configure also into, once again, the creative de- uh, department of creating a TV show, movie, is not small, but it's a lot slightly more easier to oversee, yeah. I would argue, than game development. Game development has needs a lot of people yeah. doing a lot of different a things. A lot more. And the visual proponent, proponent of it is like, it has so many more dimensions to it, programming-wise, execution-wise, mocap-wise, and yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to like, you know, to think about how does an orc move is also something that series and movies and whatnot have to you know consider. Yeah, I already talked about how I feel about the Rings of Power series. So we don't need to do that again. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, once again, I would also love a good adaptation of the Second Age because that's that is about the Second Age. But they change so many things that don't need changing. And as a general rule of thumb, I think if you change a thing. Make sure it fits. Make sure it's useful. Make sure yeah. it serves a certain purpose that is worth having. Once again, so the changes that they make in a show fit within the narrative of the show. It is just too bad that the narrative of, the, of that show is shit. Quite. It's, it's okay. It's just sorry. Sorry. I mean, you, you say that, but similar things happen to Game of Thrones, right? Where certain changes were made for no good fucking reason. Like, yeah, let's kill this character... <laughs> In this circus, in this instance, whereas in the book, like he obviously doesn't die for the most obvious and clear fucking reasons, but uh, let's kill him. Why? Yeah, well, they they well they had their reasons because they thought a shock value and and b the easy appeasing crowd of like once again, um, at the end of the day, you had sports fans like betting on who would end up on the Iron Throne. Yeah, I'm talking about a secondary and character that's, though. That's very much. <laughs> no, but like once again, um, killing off these people, and but this mentality of team sports being inserted into a inherently anti-war story yeah. is going to do tremendous amount of damage. It is, as we said earlier, not staying true to the spirit of the exactly, books. Exactly, exactly. The show did not have to be identical to the no, book's ending. They can't. I would be. actually love it because I don't want it. Yeah, I would love it to be not that the case, but it didn't stay true to the spirit of. Of, of, of the books, which is, is, once again, essentially an anti-war story. I mean, um, as a th- further comparison point, like, uh, the Witcher TV show, before it kind of... <laughs> <laughs> hold Sorry. on, hold on, hold on, let me finish. 
before it went off the rails. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, it wasn't <laughs> too bad in terms of adapting. No, season one is okay. Season one is okay. Yeah, I would say it's it's, it's okay. It is just okay. <laughs> yeah. No, there was still a bunch of odd choices. Oh, remember yeah. the eel pit, Frank. Remember the what? Remember the eel pit? Of course, of course, I remember the eel, the fucking eel pit. Um. Apparently, um, as, as a little bird told me, uh, it becomes relevant in season three. Oh fuck so. me! Fuck the fuck the eel pit. I, um. A literal gremlin is urging me to watch season three, and I don't see it happening. Uh-huh. But never say never. I I do not doubt you. Um, but yeah, it, it's certain aspects were like, oh, this this isn't as bad. But even then, like it's it's difficult, right? It, you need to be very aware. I think that's the key, right? Like you need to be extremely aware of the intent, as with things are being represented in which things are going. Um, of course, you can do a different approach. Um, I'm thinking about Dune here now. Um, although the second part mm. for the recent one hasn't come out, I'm thinking not of the recent one. I'm thinking about the David Lynch adaptation, which goes fucking off the rails um, oh, yeah. in not good ways. Uh, because, and I might have said this before, David Lynch adapts well what he knows how to do well, which is intrigue and... Uh, like political scheming like that and that kind of part. The rest is like uh, madness in the bad sense. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have feelings about that. We can't get into that, but it's a funny as uh, as something that I kind of just then want to uh, cap off a little bit. It's I find these perceptions then per fandom very interesting. Mm, per, like, that makes no. sense, especially the online the online discussions of these things. Uh, so. <laughs> If, um, as someone who likes Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and Dune, uh, three pretty big <laughs> franchises, the two for the two more so than the third. Yeah. But uh, even though we are getting a Dune MMO soon, who so who oh, knows? Oh Christ! Because uh, that's what everybody wanted, <laughs> and a, a grind MMO in the uh, uh, Arrakis to to get your little spice. I wonder if you can microtransaction spice. The, the strategy game at least made sense. Oh yeah, no, the strategy game was amazing. Oh, is <laughs> it? Nice. Li- Gimli is in it. <laughs> the actor who plays Gimli is in it. Huh, so neat. I-, I love it. I-, I think so. I'm not quite sure. But um, so yeah, anyway, it- it- life life action. Uh, no, what do- what's it called again? Anyway, life action scenes in video games have a place in my heart. They look so jank, but I love them so much. What are you thinking of? Once again, the Dune thing, the Redwood Dune, uh, real t- uh, 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 strategy. Oh right, game. it has live action stuff. It has live. You, uh, okay, so after the recording, I'm going to show Frank the live action stuff in that game. Thank you. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. But just generally, like live action, um, or like like people being filmed and then rendered into the game. Yeah, that's also a specific thing. Oh wow, we can't get into it. It's like rotoscoping. It's, yeah. Oh. Yeah, kind of like that, and. So anyway, so these, um, I've had a time, like, gently moving, weaving my way through these, uh, once again, never interacting, just observing mm-hmm. these conversations between fandoms and, like, uh, once again, from anywhere from YouTube comments to Twitter posts to Tumblr to TikTok to whatever. It's, uh, like, just the way people talk about things are very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know the Lord of the Rings are, are like are a mixed pot. I would say mm. they like some of them are very racist. Some of them are uh, uh, some of them are fine, I guess. 
And it's just like, oh, well, I, do, I would just like, you know, an, an annotation. Oh, I hope, sure, this character shows up. I think this character is great. So, um, <laughs> once again, it's very diverse group of people that is generally fine. Uh, I would say, once again, mixed bag. Um, then you have the Dune people who just endlessly quote Dune. They don't talk about anything. They just like, <laughs> oh, Shai Hulud, May is, May is coming, bless the passing by. Christ. And, like, <laughs> and it's like, it's, I'm like, okay, weird. Moving on <laughs> to uh, Star Wars. And Star Wars says, black people can't be stormtroopers. I'm like, okay, well, let's let's go back to, talk me, tell me about your worm, Dune. Let, t- tell me about Shai Hulud. <laughs> tell, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like immediately backing out <laughs> Star Wars is the worst one. I think. Oddly enough, Star Wars is the one that has the good games. Sometimes. Okay. So in, in, interesting. Uh, ooh, okay. I don't know if that's true, actually, Frank. But we will talk there about are, it. Now. There are good Star Wars games, like Kotor Two. Oh yeah. Once again, I will talk about that in our August episode. But um, <laughs> it's um, yeah. So, so uh, I would I don't like classifying or a ranking um harassment or like you know yeah. terrible fan behavior sure. but star wars has to be the worst oh no absolutely not a point not an argument it bullied the kid who played anakin in star wars phantom menace into psychosis christ into multiple suicide attempts Fuck. the guy who plays jar jar binks as well and i i don't think the kid is doing all right but uh the guy who plays jar jar recently like got to talk at the big fan convention and like he's doing well now. That's he good. had like a little cameo in the Mandalorian. Uh, he was that Jedi that escorted baby Grogu out of the temple. Yeah, the more you know. Hmm. Um, I hope I'm, I'm just really happy that he's still here because he tried to kill himself, I believe. Oh. Uh, so yeah, and once again with the new trilogy, um, those who are very uh, the just the successful artists, um, except for young John Boyega, don't really are not that bothered by it, I believe, or have been able to like. You know, move away from that. I don't know how uh, the girl Daisy Rip- uh, Ripley, Daisy, what's her name? The girl, the girl who plays. Yeah. Uh, um, it, it, yeah. Daisy Ridley or, or something close to that. Ridley. Yeah, Daisy Ridley. Uh, she plays Ray, and I don't know how she's doing. Um, I know John Boyega has like burned some industry bridges, I believe, um, by you know very. Clearly speaking up against, once again, the anti-blackness and, like, how little the big studios who earn millions off of them yeah. uh, is doing to protect them. Yeah, clearly. So, and I haven't seen him in a big production since. Hmm. Not saying he hmm. his career is suffering. I don't know. I've looked into it. But uh, we should keep an eye on that. Regardless. It's, um yeah. So... <laughs> I would say Star Wars is the fucking worst. Oh, no, no. That's not a question. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. So, this this perception and this behavior can definitely influence, like, literal material processes. If it is from simple things... Okay, not simple things. But, like, um, direct causal, causality things, such as uh, actors not wanting to return. Yeah. And... <laughs> You having to like, or actors dying, and you as Disney having to use the weird little face CGI thing that nobody mm. likes. Stop doing that. It's so fucking weird. Rich people always fetishize this idea and always deeply desire this idea to create art without artists. Yes. Yes. And we, we are seeing that with AI and like all these things so bad. 
Anyway. That's a, a brief parenthesis. That's one of the reasons why the right uh, the actors guild is striking because like they couldn't reach yes. a good agreement in terms of AI as well, amongst a bunch of other things. So you know, it's like they're aware that's like the the technology itself is something, but they 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 are very aware of how the big wigs want to use this technology to exclude them. Yeah, yeah, no, but this has always been the uh, foremost capitalist use of technology. Yeah, it's clearly. always been automation, mechanization, always. <sighs> anyway, the Luddites uh, were right. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess mostly. It's, and once again, somewhat, it's <laughs> a couple asterisks. But uh, it's um, it is then interesting how once again this perception can definitely like in this this giant wave of unreasonable fanboyism of of this, this once again the true unwashed horde gamers hey, and that's people us. on social media uh, also us. <laughs> well. A little bit. Uh, I mean, we, uh, we are we are gamers. This... We are gamers, Leon. We we cannot mm, run away from that. Not in this. Not within this context. <laughs> not within this context. What I mean with it, it's it's capital G gamer. It's gamer slur. No, oh, right. Game, gamer derogative. Okay. <laughs> gamer parentheses derogative. Um, it's <laughs> it's um. So it's these people that like are very very online, the very online segment of gamers, if you will. Yes. To to separate us, then. Of course. Um, I don't like I don't like the terminology, but we all know what I mean when I say it. So. Oh yeah. I'm going to accuse accuse myself here a little bit. <laughs> so, it's it's these people that are very loud. They are very good at disliking YouTube trailers, and yeah. oh, they are so powerful. Uh. Um, shut. I, I hate them so much. <laughs> they think they are so important. Oh, we downvoted you on Reddit. Now you're going to change the game, right? They didn't. Um, they said they did, though. So the, what, what they can do, what they can summon is like a press statement at most. <laughs> yeah. And even this is not always guaranteed. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, so there's a lot of noise. And this noise can affect a production, I would argue. Um, for better or for worse. There was a announcement that Star Wars was going to star a trans actor, mm. uh, actress, and um, sorry, the word in my native language is gender neutral. Mm. Um, it's um, and and I don't know if that's still a thing. Uh, Star Wars Acolyte was going to be a mm. thing with a YouTuber called uh, Philosophy Tube. Uh, Ab- Abigail. Oh Thorne, yeah, I, I saw that. Her name. I remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> And once again, uh, they haven't talked a lot about it since since there was a lot of uh, once again anti-trans uh, online presence against it, because once again the people who are fine with trans people in their media, they it's always the people that hate are going on to social media and say their thing because a lot of the people who are okay with it they might like you know give it a like or something, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily feel the need to leave a comment, other than oh it's so cool or whatever yeah. and. This is never then noticed by social media people because people are supposed to respond like that. It's the people who then say a negative thing or a thing that does not align with preconceived notions is the things that are stand out. Now, we can have a nuanced debate about how um, how much transphobia is not according to expectations. <laughs> that's that's not how giant uh, corporations see it. They just, say, they just, once again, they see it as the Netflix model. Thumbs up, thumbs down. 
or the YouTube model or whatever yeah. you like to call it. And and if they feel risky, they will do a focus group or two. Um, <laughs> and that's that's <laughs> about the analysis that they do. And they, yeah. Their half. Basically. So, yeah. So it's, once again, this 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 perception of uh, this cultural once again perception of media can have such a visceral impact on the actual adaptation process yeah. or creation process yeah. in this case yeah. and yeah and i don't know how how rings of power did under that mm-hmm. and i don't know how we um how how once again i know there was there was backlash for the trans microtransactions and after a long time, they removed the microtransactions from the game. But this was essentially when nobody was playing the game. Pretty much. It's a single-player game, I yeah. believe. So, yeah. <laughs> it has this weird online element about, like, little fortresses yeah. or something. It's, uh, I'm, I don't know if that, it was, was fun. I thought the sieges in Shadow of War were cool the first swipe, one, two times. Then they got old really quick. <laughs> it was really they, boring. They did. And, they, they got very repetitive yeah. at one point. Yeah, and the same goes for the Nemesis system. Mm. Like, it was a cool idea, but it, it, the game is so long and so boring. Yeah, the first so, one uh, was a lot more well put together, a lot tighter. Anything you want to, want to uh, talk about? Because, once again, we can talk about adaptation <laughs> until the sun comes up. We, we could. Um, um, I think what, what I want to mention, like, it's it's... I think you've put it really well, like in this dimension of how there can be such terrible reactions or receptions to these things, and how, I mean, the the, the dreadful part, and and it's what we we all knew. I mean, I think it, it says a, a bit like that, right? We knew that these these studios, the these organizations, were not in the capital O. They don't give a shit. They really couldn't care less. Like, they have one interest. And they will pursue it. And it's like, oh, uh, if it is convenient to drop this project or this person because of this and this reason, it's like, oh, if you want to put up a fight, you want to be annoying, you can quietly walk away. um, Or quietly be excused. So it's the more visible, the more, yeah, uh, sure. The more visible dimension that we get, that we see in, in social media and a lot, it's the response to it, if I put it in the in this way, is is somewhat an accommodating response under the capitalist mode that we live in. It is like, well, there's, there's no real values in question here. There's no real purpose or intent. It's like, oh, this is not going to be as successful. This is not going to be as lucrative if it, we pursue it under these and these conditions. So, let's do it better. Or, you know, it's like, no, let's, let's not. Like, the, these, these certain prejudices or certain intents, it's like, no, just just no. And, and it's more convenient, easier to continue their perpetuation. So, yeah, I, I think in, in a sense, like this, the, the terrible, terrible, <laughs> like, uh, toxic uh scary bad fandom reaction is horrible but the counter reaction which is usually in the bad sense in the bad sense um uh how do how do, how do i frame it um conciliatory or it's like accommodating 
Um, it's just like, oh, okay, like uh, making a fuss, then we'll just quietly put it out back and, and uh, you know, get rid of it. Um, I think that is the... the um, oh, uh, I'm not sure if, if I can say worst, but it's the more concrete dimension to it. It's like, yeah, that's that's what ends up happening. And yeah, it's not not entirely sure, but just something to to comment on this. How this there is a relationship there that is mediated, but via those who are uh, producing or, or running it, the, the the show, so to speak. So that that doesn't necessarily lead to, to positive results, right? Like the talking about Shadow War, it, it, the the change, the exclusion of the microtransactions took so long like that that should have been like okay after release yeah, yeah like month one or two at most no it was like oh, probably over a year or more so it, it's there's, there's they don't care in the, on a productive no, it's, level it's really funny then that like to, since we, we brought up star wars i'm so sorry for bringing up star wars <laughs> so many times but um the, there was a very harsh reaction once again this doesn't fucking matter. I cannot stress this enough how this doesn't fucking matter in the slightest. But like I said earlier, like downvote the Reddit post. Uh, the most downvoted post in history in Reddit is, I believe, I don't know if it's still the case, but at the time it was the announcement of EA for having loot boxes in Battlefront 2, where you couldn't even play as Darth Vader. You had Whoa. to unlock Darth Vader Whoa. or something. <laughs> right? And so, so the most iconic character. You couldn't like, get basic skin Darth Vader. And um, I'm so sorry if you don't play video games. That skin, that that sentence must have sounded so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but moving on from that, it's um, so once again this phenomenon that gamer gamers don't like uh, microtransactions, and that was still in a multiplayer game, a multiplayer game that already cost sixty to ninety dollars. Uh, nowadays, the games cost uh, eighty to one hundred twenty dollars. Yeah. By the way, but that's that's inflation. Uh, which obviously need to all to be offset on the consumer, not on the uh, you know, not on the capitalist, which was supposed to take risks. I believe <laughs> that's, that was the that's only the argument. Somewhat, yeah, that was not the only. The risk, by the way, is becoming a worker again. So that's not much of a risk. <laughs> you um, say again. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you got me dead to rights on that one. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, but so these corporations knew. They knew beyond the certainty of a doubt that microtransactions are not okay. Nobody likes them. And then the people from uh, Shadow of War put them in a single-player game with a season pass. <laughs> so once again, we are talking uh, 60 up to 90 bucks or something, or maybe even more expensive. I don't know. Uh, Ubisoft makes like a 120-euro edition. Uh, like that's, that's two whole video games. That's, that's two whole yeah. games. It's a 200% increase in price. Or about one more. Anyway, so a 100% increase, I would say. But it's, yeah, anyway. So that's like, to, to, to add to your point of uh, corporations don't care. They, they know. They know. It's not like, oh, and this is what I dislike about this discourse. Like, oh, how could this organization be so stupid? They, uh, they did the thing again that we know we dislike. And it's like, yeah, it's still profitable though, so shut up. And one, even if it's one, it's not profitable. Only one needs to be profitable to like generate three non-profitable games. Yeah. Like that's how successful microtransactions can be. It's such a lucrative business. 
and they they know what they're doing like uh they're not smart people i will say uh executives are not necessarily smart people but they they have the data and they have people who understand data so to laugh and like go forward at these at these corporations saying oh the idiots they're gonna go under now they use nfts like apparently it's there's still a reason to do this because apparently people there are people collecting them and it depends on what how bad the product uh is or um how badly this, the product is desired like pokemon is trying to experiment nfts right now and people didn't want fucking stupid apes that nobody knows but there are fucking pokemon adults who l- would love to shelf out the money for some fucking pokemon nft i so nfts sadly have a future for instance since we talk about ai we might as well talk about nfts i suppose <laughs> um <laughs> so once again the this 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 cavorting at like oh the idiots oh the, the buffoons like no you you're the idiot i'm so sorry but i agree with the sentiment i'm not gonna buy it anymore and but sadly this whole element of like oh we're not gonna buy it and then like well maybe maybe on sale i guess oh well oh the friend of mine that bought it well i guess i'll buy it and like anyway so this this whole uh this whole huddling up this whole uh like uh locking in arms like oh this is bad and shit and no one's gonna buy it not not as strong for and not as fortuitous as you think it is that, that, that's going to be our closing thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the, the point being is uh, boycotts aren't as successful as strikes and unionizing. Uh, it's the bottom line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. If, if you take any way away, anything away from this episode, let it be that, please. Yeah, this, this is the... It's not as if we weren't before. But this is the very clearly pro-strike episode. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, as... Um, as a closing thought, I suppose on we, we talk a lot. We talked a lot. Um, it's difficult yeah, to do sorry. adaptations. Um, I, I think that's no, no one's trying to say it's like oh, it's simple, it's easy. It's like, but it, it, the the point is, it's really difficult to do, and it's difficult to find good examples because they need usually a good adaptation will try to look for that spirit and will treat will like respect. The original and that that is very abstract that is very conceptual but uh, it's this idea that's like it's not a something this book this text is not something i'm going to improve because i think that sometimes that is the posture right like it's oh there's this i'm gonna make it better no you're gonna make something different and that doesn't mean like oh throwing that under the bus or it's like disregarding what the original is doing in in these ways because good or bad, it's doing those things for a reason. So you need to have a good enough reason to do differently. Which is where the, the alphabet metaphor came from. It's like, okay, you want to get to H. Then you need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, in a different, coherent, interesting way. So you can get to H. You can't do A, B, C. Then jump to H because that's what you want to do. Uh, and cut out all these corners and cut out these different questions. Or like, okay... In order to get to age, we need to find a way for things not to end in F or not to end in D. Um, so you need to build the, this world, this narrative in a distinct form. And you'll come up with different results. But at least you'll be trying to do something. Originally, you're, you're actually trying to adapt. And not necessarily it's like, oh, look how terrible it's doing that. It's like, I'm gonna, we're going to make it better. 
because it's going to be this. Uh, it's going to be the movie. It's going to be the TV show. And not just the... I say inverted commas, just the adaptation. An adaptation can be something really incredible and really interesting, but it's difficult to do, especially if you're doing it, you know, in the purely, and as it happens most of the time, or or major, majorly on the interests of capital. I'm sorry if anyone was listening and hoping to learn more about Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor. <laughs> uh, that derailed there... fast. <laughs> yeah, um... I'm sorry for all the lore dumping that, that that's in hindsight not that useful. I I, I love talking about Lord of Rings, so I don't regret it. No doubt. But uh, <laughs> no, it's 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 um uh, potential spoilers for Rings of Power, I guess. Shrug. Maybe. But sadly, this story finishing uh, talking through the story about uh, those games is not going to matter. It, it it's so wild. It's so bonkers. Yeah. That's my closing thought. This game. These games are weird, man. And yeah, I wish those games were then more weird and not try to be Lord of Rings. I wish these games were just their own universe. I mean, I think it it started off well. It's like, okay, it's not Lord of the Rings. It's Middle Earth. Okay, good start. But the point is that it became really bland. Like, that's the story of the second game. It's so fucking and boringly predictable. It's like, yeah, I point for point, I see where the story is going. And oh boy, it went there. And it was not an interesting outcome. <laughs> and it doesn't do anything with it. <laughs> no. But more about the bland. Uh, maybe another time. And uh, about a more democratic form of creation. Uh, we can't talk about that now because the episode's already yeah. gone. <laughs> Ironically, that was going to be the main gist of the episode. It would have been. But that's not the end of there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really happy with what we could discuss anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So... Support your local strike if you can. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's, the, that's, what, that's yeah. our, our closing thought tonight. We will return with a very special HBM episode, but you will see us on the left page first, where we talk about a very fun little space adventure. We do. Uh, a, a lot more relaxed of an episode, I would argue. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. take care, everyone. Yeah, you'll just you Thank wait, you. friends. See you soon.